Alrighty, guys, what is up? It is another episode of the Hashtag Sweat Local CLT Podcast, and I have the uh, the brain trust behind Green Brothers Juice, I guess minus two of them. Your brothers really were big in the founding of this whole thing, yep, correct? Absolutely. Um, but right now we have Josh and Stephanie Norris, and Stephanie, you're relatively new to the coming into the business. Were you there at day one, or like, I was reading the CBJ article. And mm-hmm. it, I don't know, maybe this way it was positioned. It seemed like you coming in operationally was more of a newer thing. Yeah. So, I mean, we've been married the whole time. <laughs> so I've been there behind the scenes, sure. but not involved operationally. Yeah. Um, she didn't have a choice for a long time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and so I had another, I guess, my big girl job where I was managing a clinical research site. Okay. So that was a full-time position. Um, and then I think it was about two years ago, I left that and I still work for them, but I work remotely and I'm part-time. Even so. pre-COVID remotely? Pre-COVID yeah. remotely, yeah. Um, so I'm part-time with them now and jumped in a lot heavier with Green Brothers operationally, um, HR, all that kind of stuff. Was that something like, we need help, you know the business better than anybody? Like, there is a risk when it comes to a husband-wife combination also working in the business together. Have you guys found that, like, the, there's it's a volatile thing. It could be great, it could be amazing, but it could also be a very volatile communication element to your relationship. Yeah, I, I, for I'll, sure. I'll be very upfront. <laughs> Steffi was an absolute godsend to yeah. our business. Um and I'm not just saying this because she's sitting right next to me, um, <clears throat> but uh, but I think and and I've asked, and actually so it's it's International Women's Day, isn't it? Oh yeah, so, you could. Yeah. Tell. Gosh, what a great plug! <laughs> uh, um, but uh, but I was telling uh, some other some other uh, business owners the other day. I think that every single business needs a female in one of the top three positions. Um, I think that I think they provide such a healthy perspective, um, and uh, Steffi especially. But um, but I think they, I I I work really well with Steffi because she is really good at things that I'm just horse crap at, um, and I'm really good at things that she isn't wired to do well. So um, we complement each other really well, and, and we've got about an 85 percent female staff, and and they're phenomenal, and and um, um, and we're, we've been very lucky to have her come on board when she did. What is that yin and yang? What are the things that you do very well within the business? Um, I'm really good at selling. Uh, I'm really good at uh, communicating the vision and um, and uh, and and creating recipes um, and um, the customer experience. I'm hyper focused on making sure that every customer gets guided the right way. Um, and it's and it's almost hard for me to sit back and watch because I've I've you know I did it for you know three years straight. I was the person at the register. I was doing the back. I was doing you know I was I was peeling bananas. I was doing everything for a long time. And I had a couple of staff, but you know I was I was there every single day. And um and and it's been my my control freak side is it's hard for me to to um to uh, turn the dial down on, uh, you know, stepping back and letting other people take care of that, which you know, th- it's such a pivotal moment when, you know, the customer comes in and being able to handle that the right way, making sure that they not only leave with a good experience, but a fantastic one and arguably the best one they've ever had at any sort of juice or smoothie bar. Um, and that's, that's the goal that I want for everyone that comes in. So I'm, you know, hyper-focused on that. Um, Steffi's really, really good at, um, you know, uh, make, making sure all, all the details are taken care of to, you know, uh, you know, making sure everyone gets paid on time, making sure that, you know, she, she, she likes to plug into her, her podcast, you know, her murder podcast sometimes <laughs> and just, you know, knock out payroll or knock out admin work. Um, it's a very back of the house, front of house. Yeah. yeah. Split. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, she, and sure. she, she also helps kind of, uh, I think, uh, uh, she, she does a really good job of connecting with the female staff and, and, uh, making sure that if I'm sometimes in a, in a bad mood, she you know, makes me self-aware and makes me, um, know that, uh, you know, like, Hey, maybe you should, you know, maybe you should just, you know, stay in the stay, stay, stay home today and not, not interact with staff or something like that. A good checks and balances. Absolutely. Yeah, it puts the bumpers on it. Now this concept was originated you and your brothers. You guys went to Texas. You, what was the smoothie bar that you went to there that you're like, this is dope. Yeah. Juice land. Juice land. Yep. Now, is that a big chain down there? A big, is that um, a big operation? At the time they had, it used to be Daily Juice. Then uh, Matt Shook, the owner, then they, they kind of pivoted off and went from uh, he he started up Juice Land, um, and they had I think probably four to five locations at the time when we when we sat down and, and met with them. Um, I think now they've got like twenty or so. Okay, pre, all all in Texas. All in all Texas. Texas. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. good deal. Um, but they we just we, we had their stuff and 
if anyone's in, if you don't know if you've ever been to Austin, Texas, but uh, the Barton Springs area, you know, being able to go and get a smoothie that's amazing and to be able to go jump in this uh, natural spring. And it's so refreshing. And it was just like, oh man, if we could bring a part of this to Charlotte, it'd be amazing. So smoothies have really kind of transitioned. So um, I, for me, I, I grew up in the commercial gym industry, right? And that was just always, you would find someone who had a smoothie shop and we'd throw them in there and it created this great amenity inside of the, the what I call like the globo gym scene, right? And then, you know, much like craft coffee and craft beer and craft smoothies, these things have all become unique boutique brand experiences with their own retail customer service client experience. Smoothies traditionally, you know, cleanses, greens. This was kind of this like kale shots, this like hippy dippy kind of thing for a while. When did like smoothies, like especially in Charlotte, because I Charlotte's it's not a tier one city like New York, but like when would you say you came back? What was that? It was like two thousand and I don't know. When did you go to Texas and first see fourteen? Fourteen. Did you see something like Charlotte's prime for this? Like high end, relatively you know, a, f- a expensive smoothie versus uh, a low cost chain down the street. What made you think Charlotte is ready for something like this? Well, I think uh, <clears throat> a lot of trends start, you know, in California and they eventually make their way here. Um, and, um, and I think that that had definitely been taking place. And uh, like you said, in Charlotte, there was, you know, Smoothie King and Jamba Juice and, um, you know, the, the more commercial, smoothie places that the, the, the ingredients are, are questionable at best. And, um, and it's not a secret. Um, so we just, uh, we, we loved it. Um, and we, we weren't, we'd never been in the food and beverage industry. So it wasn't like we were super calculated on like, Oh, well, you know, let's look at this demographic. Let's pull everyone. It was like, we love it. We think everyone else is going to love it. Let's, let's give it a whirl. Yeah. And you went and got a job actually working at a smoothie spot first, which I is I, it's my number one piece of advice to any small business owner. Like, I want to do X. I'm like, cool. Have you gone and worked for somebody else who you may or may not think has done it great or you could do it better or you learned the trade, you learned the business schooling of it essentially. Where did you go? Smoothie King. Smoothie King. Yep. So, so that was you're like, okay, I'm going to go here and I'm going to learn exactly how I don't want to run this. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it was it was invaluable. Um, and it was it was a really good opportunity to learn how a franchise works and operates and how a headquarters can support and, you know, how their, their systems and, and the operational side of it. Um, I, it was not a, at all what I wanted to emulate on the ingredient quality side, but it was, um, again, you know, no one had ever worked in food and bev. None of my brothers have. So that was, you know, a little bit, um, uh, you know, we probably could have done that a little bit smarter, but you know, the first job I ever had was after we were already under construction at our uptown location. So I worked there for about two months. Okay. And let me ask you this, is franchising the goal? Um, not right now. Okay. Um, we're All corporately owned stores right now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's, it, we, we get that question a lot and, and we've actually, we've gone down the road of creating an FDD and, and, yeah. and we've kind of dipped our toe in the water and we know what we need to do in order to pull the trigger. Um, we haven't seen a lot of concepts in the, um, in the juice and smoothie world franchise with, with excellence throughout. Um, and, and it's tough and it's tough when you're, um, there, there are a lot of hurdles to overcome. So it seems like if you want to franchise, you need to either commit to, you know, doing a hundred stores or you just need to kind of not. Yeah. Um, and, and in order to build that infrastructure, it takes a lot of, a lot of bandwidth. So, um, it's something that's still on the table, but we're, we're, we're content with where we are and, and servicing where we are and keeping the quality and the culture where we want it to be. I, I admire the hell out of that. We, we wanted to expand as we were going down the franchising route before COVID and then COVID hit. And I just didn't think the fitness market was going to support a 200,000 plus dollar price tag on a franchise. So we switched to a license model and losing all the control that I'm so, you know, anal about and, and all this other stuff. But it's, it's, it is, it's one of those things where corporate growth is generally the slowest, the most painful, it's mm-hmm. just the most expensive, but, but you do get to keep your Babe, you had to keep it exactly for the most part way within grasp. Even yep. with you know tight FTD docs, you'll definitely have some franchise, some cowboy running it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. When you drop, you know, you do a surprise shop and drop in there one time. And you're like, what the hell? How long have you been running it like this? So, so, so you all were looking at franchise and then we went were, down licensing. Yeah, we went that. So we went the licensing route, and uh, the other company that I, I own um, supports that. And so we, we yeah, we have a. We'll have urban movements open, and I, I had to really have a long come to Jesus with myself as to like, okay, what what's more important, the the that part or the growth of the brand? And maybe you know, maybe I'm just I'm telling myself I've got twenty forty individuals in it all day, 
I mean, they're going to come up with ideas better than I would have at corporate, at the HQ, and kind of make this like think trust. So maybe we'll just keep the keep it very guarded as to who we let in, only operators and owners that uh, we really think vibe with our core values and our focus, and we'll see how it goes. But yeah, it was that was definitely a, a COVID switch as well. You know, just so kinda, you all you all went down that road after COVID. Yeah, we yeah. we we launched uh, January the January this year. We announced the the transition going to the license model. And we had uh, 40 cities uh, submit interest and all that. And now we're going through applications and, and doing that whole process now. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. So it's, it's cool. It's it's a way different plan. You know, your, your 10-year, 20-year whole game plan goes right out the window. And you're like, all right, what does the licensing look like? We're talking higher volume, less money. It's just all that kind of stuff. Um, you guys, you know, the Uptown location shutters, correct? Right. So, you it, yeah, it, it's been paused since March 17th. Okay, cool. Last. So you guys, will you go back? Chances are, chances are high that we won't. Okay. Is it just due to the deadness of uptown uptown's <laughs> yeah. current like it's just everyone's there town. trying to resuscitate it and it is doa yeah and i go up there I and mean, i was up there this morning um and and you know the starbucks and chick-fil-a that we that are in the same plaza that we have our our, our location in they said that they're at, you know 10 to 15 percent of their typical sales um and it's tough to get excited about opening yeah. back up in the middle of that um i think people are really comfortable um and, and also i think that habit is really important if people aren't continually in the habit of doing something, even if they go uptown, you know, two to three days a week, you know, they're still not going to be developing that every day of the week habit. Um, so we've got a lot of people who are now coming, you know, they live in Foxcroft, but they used to work uptown. So they're like, Oh, this is great. You know, yeah. now I get to get my smoothie and I don't have to worry about going uptown and getting it from you guys there. Yeah. Do you, pre COVID, were you really bullish on uptown? I, I've had a lot of mixed thoughts. So I'm, I'm really like re- recreationally and hobbyist. Right? looking into like urban design. And when you look at this downtown, like uptown Charlotte, it's, it, you know, if you look at cities like a Boston or even like a Cleveland, some, you know, Philly, like there's a lot of missing pieces to an uptown Charlotte. Like they've got this whole epicenter headache. They're trying to rewrite. They wanted to rewrite that as retail because there's really no good shopping. You can't go to downtown Charlotte and go shopping and take mom out for lunch and get her coffee and go. That's not happening. There's hotels, there's sports venues, and then there's bars that and like when you look at the livability of a cool, vibrant downtown area, you're missing key components in Charlotte. Was it just the traffic? Was it just the density of the lunch day, afternoon worker, nine to five, Monday through Friday? Or like we can make our because we know the weekends our sales will probably be a little bit flat, but Monday through Friday that work lunch traffic is where we're gonna kill. Yeah, so we we were only open Monday through Friday. We okay. never opened up on the week. We we tried it, you know, like two times when there were these big events coming through. And unless we had like guarantee people that were staying at the Omni Hotel, which is right above where we are. Um, it, it never made sense. People um, don't understand that. They're like, why isn't this coffee shop open before 8 a.m.? And yeah. it's like, if you run the numbers, it costs more to keep it. It's better to just shut it down. Yeah. So, you know, our outside of uptown locations are open up twice as many hours a week. Um, so instead of being seven to four, like our uptown location wasn't realistically, it was four and a half days a week. Cause people uptown were like, you know, it's going to o'clock on Friday. They're yeah. out getting, get, you know, wanting to head out and get, get beers. Um, you know, a, a, a kale smoothie didn't sound as cool, quite as appetizing <laughs> sure. compared to the IPAs. So, um, we had, uh, you know, we were open like a Dilworth and, and South End and Fox and Dilworth South and Foxcroft were open, you know, about 84 to 88 hours a week, as opposed to uptown. We were open about 42 hours a week. So, um, it's a big difference and sure. you just have a lot more, a lot more hours to make money. Yeah. Would you, how do you feel like going forward? What is your, someone's like, Hey, how do you think I want to open up a business? I'm looking at uptown cause they're cutting deals right now. Cause there's no one up there. Yeah. Would you say, eh, I'd pay, I'd pay more to be somewhere else, more desirable, like a, a Noda, a South end, that kind of thing. Um, the, the only way, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and we were, we were proposed, <clears throat> we were proposed opportunities to come in basically as an amenity where they would essentially pay us to operate there. There was no rent. They just pay us, but um, we're, we're, we're still just, you know, you have to also ask the question of just cause it might make some sense financially. I think there's a low, low ceiling of potential there, uh, and a low floor of potential. And, um, even if they're paying your operating costs, it's, it's, you know, is that, is that really something that people yet your clientele is going to utilize and, and are they going to be excited by, you know, is it, is an experience being at the bottom of a, of a hotel? Yeah. But it's a transient clientele anyway. Yeah. It's not, and, and it's, it's not tough people. to build community in, in a place where you don't have that, you know, you don't have the people coming every single day. If you have people just coming through on their, on their way in and out of a hotel, it's like, you know, I mean, it's fine, but it's just, you know, like, like I said, it's tough to build a culture up in uptown unless you have those daily visitors, which sure. is just. Again, uh, Uptown just doesn't really seem to have a lot of those people who want to go and frequent a place every single day of the week. Are you guys from Charlotte originally? He is. Okay, you're a native? 
Uh, I moved to here when I, for, from, from most of my conscious life. Yes. Conscious uh, life. <laughs> about, about six years old. Got we, it. I went to, went to Providence high and, um, then went to UNCW met Steffi and then, uh, came back here. Stephanie, where are you from originally? I'm from Raleigh. Okay. Mm-hmm. So not too far. Yeah. Where was, uh, is fitness always been, because that, that's essentially the origin story in this, is it leading to living a healthier lifestyle? Is fitness always been a thing? So when we met in college, um, the way we actually met was, well, we met at a party. He was playing soccer there freshman year, and I lived across the hall from all the soccer team, but not him because he was a walk-on. Um, so we met at a party and I ended up telling him that I was going to be running a half marathon just because I'd gotten into running. And um, I'm not sure if he saw it as a challenge or what, but he was <laughs> like, an yeah. maybe or an opportunity. opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he said, well, if you're going to run a half marathon, I'm going to run one too. And I said, well, I'm running a half marathon because I'm going to run the Disney full marathon. And he said, well, if you're going to do a full marathon, I'm going to do one too. <laughs> and so we um, ran the half marathon and then ran the full marathon and then we got into triathlons and then, um, started dating what, like six days after we ran the, after the marathon. Mm -hmm. That's a good, that's a good first like date scenario. (laughs) That's like, I always recommend people like on first dates, like we joke around, I was trying to get in contact with the regional person for Bumble. I'm like, Taking taking your proposed date to a group class workout is the number one best first date. You don't have to talk to them because you're in group class, but you can see you can see what kind of a you human being you yeah. learn a lot about someone. And then afterwards, go to Red Clay Cider, and now you have something to talk about besides that BS filler that you do on a first date. Kind yeah, of scenario. for sure. And then Urban Movement sponsored by Bumble. It's right. <laughs> yeah. It's like three D Tinder. You know? yeah. yeah, it's perfect. And then um, obviously, when we trained for the Ironman together, we were working out. You know seven, eight hours a day together. And I remember his mom has done how many Ironman? Nine. Eight, nine. Wow. Um, she was like, if you can, woman. yeah, she's like five, two, she's just, a, just nothing but she, just energy and yeah. passion for exercise. Yeah. Just, she's, <laughs> she's an inspiration. She's the sure. good kind of crazy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but she told Josh, she was like, if you guys can train for an Ironman together, you guys are going to get married. And sure there enough, we, there we go. Yeah. And I think, Two, with going back to the juices and smoothies, when we were in college, we made our own juices and smoothies to just help fuel us for all the training we were doing. And there wasn't a good place to get, there was nowhere to get quality smoothies. In my kitchen. Other than Josh's <laughs> kitchen. Um, and then when we moved to Charlotte, it was kind of the same thing of, well, so his oldest brother did the full Ironman with us. His mom did the Ironman with us. And then the middle brother did a relay with his sister. So our, it was the whole Norris family. Did My the, dad was the head of the cheer squad. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Did yeah. the Ironman together. And so we were all super hyper focused on nutrition. And so that's when his oldest brother was like, well, I've been training in Austin, Texas. There's this great place and it's helped me a lot with my training, but there's nothing like it in Charlotte. So you guys should... So this, uh, there's an entrepreneurial, like, like that entrepreneurial seizure at that moment, right? Where you're like, okay, potential idea, let's test it out, concept. Mm-hmm. What were you doing? What, was, what, what did work look like prior to this? What were you um, doing career-wise? Totally unrelated. Um, so I was uh, out of college. I went and worked with a triathlon company, um, set up events doing triathlons on the weekends, and, and that was my, my college job. Um, and I loved it, uh, just being around the community. And that was a thing that was a really important pivotal thing that I remembered. I just thinking about all the past jobs when we were looking at going into this thing about all the past jobs that I'd done, hands down, my favorite one was working with the triathlete community. Um, and just the energy that was around those events and the people you got to connect with. And, and just, I mean, you, you, you felt inspired being around these people who were accomplishing these great things. It was just, it was just this cool cycle of, of positivity. Um, but that went went from there. Um, went started working. Did financial services with Northwestern Mutual. You know, did the whole. You know, learned how to put a tie on thing. I call it. I call it my my big boy job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I was wearing like my dad suits and where <laughs> you know just like playing yeah. a role that that I was not feeling fulfilled in at all. But you know, it's just kind of like oh, this is grown up life. You know. Um, but it taught me a lot about, you know, tracking numbers, um, you know, what kind of activity you're doing to achieve your goals. So I, I learned a lot throughout the process, started doing that in Wilmington then went to Charlotte and then, um, and then I went and started working with my dad's company for a little bit doing, um, new market, new market and historic tax credits. And, um, it was, um, uh, you know, they, they, they've, you know, my brother and my dad, um, my middle brother, Jacob and my dad worked, um, at, 
the business in Charlotte. And then my other brother, he, he works for a different company, but they do similar things. So all of them were essentially working in the same industry. industry. Um, <clears throat> and so it was like, Oh, you know, this could be a, a, a natural fit, you know, I'm, you know, just, just tried out and it just, I just quickly realized it wasn't for me. Um, and, and I longed to have a job that was able to make me feel fulfilled and, and passionate about what I was doing. Like I felt when I was doing the triathlon world and that I kept coming back to that, but I didn't, I knew I didn't want to just do that, but I wanted to take some of the things that I really enjoyed from it and apply it to my next position. And then, um, I went, ooh, my brother started talking and we, we came up with this idea of, of, um, you know, what if we had a smoothie company in Charlotte and then, and then, you know, Jacob and Jason both started reaching out to their contacts and we started kind of, you know, seeing how we could make this thing actually come to fruition. And next thing you know, we have a juice bar in uptown Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> so, and now your, your majority of your clientele, would you say it's actually, cause it's so funny because you started this thing, you've got the endurance community. You're a part of that community. That's a lot of that probably customer base in the beginning. Cause they know you from the running community, things like that. But now, I mean, juice and smoothie is mainstream. It's something that, you know, people are just, because it, you say the word antioxidants and they just walk in and they'll slap down. The, like, again, because <laughs> health and wellness is, is very much a, a trendy lifestyle. I want to be able to justify my $300 Lulu purchase type world that we live in. What is this? Answer me this. What is the difference between uh, a juice and a smoothie? Or is there any difference? How do you guys like, because I feel like the two names get thrown around a lot. Like, are two different products, two different, it's like, eh, just one's just different euphemism for the other. So a juice it doesn't have any of the fiber in it. So we take the whole fruits and vegetables and we basically grind them up and then squeeze out the juice. So you're just getting those nutrients um, and your body doesn't have to work to break down the fiber. It just gets all the vitamins and minerals and everything straight from the juice without having to really work for it. Um, and then a smoothie is whole... You get the whole banana, all the spinach. You can add in protein powders. We add in milks. Um, it's super thick, and it holds you for a lot longer. Okay. Um, it's more of a meal replacement, can be, if you do the right things. Or um, Whereas I think of juices as more of a snack or a supplement. Sure. Um, and, and, and so, so essentially a juice is going to be absorbed into your bloodstream, assuming you have nothing in your stomach within about 10 to 15 minutes, because like Steffi said, there's no fiber and protein in it. Um, You're not having and, to work to get yeah. that. And, and, and your body's able to maximize, maximize the absorption of the macro and micronutrients. And then the smoothie, like she said, the, the, the blender will break down the cell walls of the membrane of all, of all the, the product that gets put into it, which essentially is what your mouth does. So, you know, when you put a, a banana in your mouth, like you're chewing it and then you swallow it and it goes down into you. And this basically, it chews it up for you. And so it, you know, when, when it gets in your system, your, again, your body doesn't have to work hard for either, but it has to work less with the juice. So um, more filling for the smoothie, more macro and micronutrient absorption for the juice. So someone comes in, it's their first time at a Green Brothers and they're like, they just asked the same question I did. They get the spiel from whoever's working there. What do you recommend? Like what kind of follow questions are you asking based on that individual to make a recommendation to go juice or smoothie? Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's, that's when your sales pants go on of, of, you know, people all the time be like, what, what, what do you think I should get? And I'm like, it's not about me. It's about you. Like, what do you like? You know, I could say, you know, I like the Mr. Joe cause I like coffee and you know, banana, but if you hate coffee and banana, it doesn't matter what I like. It matters what you like. So I always just, you know, it's, it's, it's about what kind of questions you ask. Yeah. So we, we've, we've instructed our staff to ask, uh, you know, a number of questions to help essentially quantify the prospect of like, Hey, what, what does this person actually want? And how do we make sure that we get them the product that they actually want? Not just, you know, ask you what you like and then say ditto. It's the, the, the nice part about the business part about having a brick and mortar. There's a lot of negatives, especially after this path, after 2020, <laughs> we can all say, but the nice part is getting them into your building is the number one hardest sale. First and foremost, once they're there, the product delivery is just education, making sure it whatever problem you have, here's the solution to it. But that's the number one thing is just getting them into the spot. You guys just opened up the, I guess we'd call it the Sedgefield location. Is that, is that what Sedgefield? South End. South End, yeah. Mm -hmm. South End's way more marketable. Yes, the South End location. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sedgefield. Um, <laughs> South End's way cooler. And, it, you know, we have to call this Loso, like the whole the whole deal. It's, yeah. all, it's all about naming. Yeah. You guys took over where Nectar was. Right. And you chose prime real estate. Obviously, it was already set probably the build out. You probably were able to maximize what they did build out wise. Do you believe in it as a brick and mortar operator, go higher foot traffic, higher visibility, higher rent? 
Or is it better to go the opposite, less visibility, less foot traffic, lower rent, and have that lower fixed cost? Yeah, it's a great Hi. question. Um, we, we've found that our, our best locations are we want to be in a good location. Um, we don't want to be kind of the, you know, in, in four years, this location will be great. We want to be, you know, where, where is our target demographic now? And we want to make it as convenient for them to come in and, and to you know, get healthy products as possible. And I think it's also for us just reaching the most amount of people being able to help the most amount of people and making it convenient for them. I know for me personally, like I stay in my own little bubble, which thankfully Foxcroft, Dilworth and South End are all kind of, we live literally in like in between all those locations. Um, so for me as a mom, definitely it's about convenience. It's about what's on my way to get the kids, what's near their activities, what can we grab after soccer, what can we get on the way to school? And so I think with that, Charlotte is very family oriented, especially in those parts. And so it's really nice to see the young families or the high schoolers or whoever come in and it's, it's an event for them. For a lot of people, it's something they do every single Sunday or every single Saturday. And Especially we had, right now, everyone's wanting yeah. like, an excuse to get out of the house. And we had people tell us during the pandemic, even at the beginning, they, if, even if they couldn't come into Green Brothers, they were so thankful that we were open because that was like their one constant of every Tuesday we drive up to Green Brothers and they hand us our smoothie. But like, at least the kids know this is a constant. We're going to do it every single day and they love getting their smoothies. And so that's sort of what we're going for is just giving people that healthy habit instead of going to a McDonald's to get a happy meal after school. They have a healthy place to come conveniently grab a delicious and nutritious snack or meal or whatever it may be. Well, sort of, I think you've done a good job here of, of, you know, you've got it where it's, you know, you park once and you're able to get your workout, you're yeah. able to get your coffee, yeah. you're able to work. And, and I think that, you know, the, the future trend is people don't want to have to, they don't want to leave their house unless they have a really good reason to. And they can um, do a lot of things at yeah, one time. You don't want to drive around a ton. Or want to, mm-hmm. exactly. right? They want an experience of the bar. They want an experience of the rail trail. They want an experience of whatever. But yeah, I, I, I was about to ask you guys, how has the DoorDash Postmates delivery world done for you guys? Have you noticed a huge uptick? I know you have an app and you see, uh, I believe the CBJ article mentioned like 55% uptick in app. Does that make you rethink as a company brick and mortar locations, even like the footprint of them? Mm-hmm. It does. Um, you know, you don't need, you know, we don't, you don't need a 2000 square foot place to, to make a lot. And, and I think our South End is a really good location. Our South End location is a really good example of that of, you know, it's, it's 840 square feet. Um, and that's by far the smallest location we have. But again, it, it, it pulls a lot from the South End DoorDash and Postmates and Uber Eats. So, you know, that kind of channels into there. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of these other concepts that are starting to build out second kitchens that to, to just satisfy, you know, app orders like Chipotle's. Chipotle or, just closed down for two weeks in South mm-hmm. End. Yeah. And they're going to totally redevelop it and say, we're going to, du- we're going to reduce the lobby and we're going to double down on the back of house. We're going to have two, two lines, essentially. One line is for made to order stuff where the customer is standing in front of you. Another one's going to be just delivery. for, for apps and delivery. But um, I don't see us ever getting rid of a brick and mortar type thing because that that's so much part of the experience. Mm-hmm. And also it's so much part of the connecting with the customer, seeing what they like, seeing what they don't like, being able to point them in the right direction. And so coming in is one experience, but then after the person comes in and maybe they don't feel like going out that day, also having the option of grab and go easy or the Uber Eats or the DoorDash. So kind of giving both of those options. I think a lot of times people come in and they'll essentially get hooked on you know what we have because they're drawn in and they hear about us by the experience that we provide. And then that's what allows us to get the business when they're like, oh, well, I know that it's good because I've you know heard that the experience in store, I've experienced it myself, uh, you know, is, is, is desirable. And then they get, you know, start getting our stuff delivered to them. And I was able to talk to an employee mm-hmm. who made a recommendation who then I really liked it or I got a sample, yeah. those types of things. Yep. I want to get into the microcosmic of that, the, the experience. So people hear business owners talk about, I, I want to create a great client experience, but that is, it's like a thousand little mini things you do right all in one. Uh, there's a great book. It's by a guy named Jay Bear. It's called Talk Triggers. And it, the idea is that only irremarkable companies 
have to do marketing. Remarkable companies generally have to spend less on marketing because there's a word of mouth, right? Like you don't see a ton of marketing for Tesla type scenarios. And there was a, just as an example for your industry, it was a, uh, a burger joint in California. And if I say burger joint in California, what's the one brand that comes to mind? Shake Shack? In and out. In and out is like the big, it's a huge brand out in California. And there's this mom and pop location and they crush it out there. And what they do, they have one little talk trigger. They have a line every day. And at the front desk, they train all their employees in professional card shuffling. So the like actual playing cards. So when you come up and you put, you place your order first, everybody, you get to go ahead and he fans them all out and you get to pick a card. If you pick the Joker, your entire meal, no matter what you ordered is free. Now people lose their minds <laughs> when they win it goes on social media like they call their mom and no. it's probably what like six dollars or something well it's i mean <laughs> sometimes it could be a, it could be enough for an entire little kid's soccer team or it could oh, be wow. just one for them but it only happens once every whatever i mean the odds are in the house's favor uh-huh. on that but the the talk trigger now, of, do, do, do they get the do they choose the joker before they place the meal or do they, have they placed the meal and whether they, or not they have the to, order yes they have to place the order okay okay <laughs> or it's like, oh it's the <laughs> joker but it creates this talk trigger it's a client experience that you cannot get anywhere else mm-hmm. it's just a unique talk trigger for green brothers we've you've talked about this walk me through like what are some of the micro moments that in and of themselves might not seem remarkable but when you combine them with everything you guys do are things that definitely you feel set you apart that's a great point um i think it. our employees um are a huge part of that for sure the way so when we interview someone one of the main questions that i personally like to ask is what are you passionate about and if they give an answer right off the bat, it doesn't matter what they're passionate about, but you can see in someone's eyes the way they light up when they talk about their passion. And I think that is just a characteristic that works great in any environment. So if somebody comes in and says, I'm really passionate about reading, I love doing this and this and this, that can easily translate into, okay, well, we're going to teach you about this and this and this. And I think you can, that passion can go through to the customer. So just the energy that we try to, the people we try to hire, we want them to have that energy and that ability to be passionate about what they're selling, be passionate about health, be passionate about taking care of our customers. Um, And that's something that we really focus on. And then just teaching them from there about nutrition and what these supplements do and how they can benefit you so that we're educating people and they're not just coming in and ordering a smoothie because it tastes good, but they're coming in and ordering a smoothie because it tastes good, but it's also doing all these wonderful things for their body. Yeah. So I think that's our big kind of what they're passionate about. Like what fuel, like what do you love doing in life? Like maybe like even like what is a smoothie or a juice? What is that fuel for you? Cause if someone let's say it's yeah. reading, like I love, I love having my juice and then I read these books and in my brain, I'm able to take my notes better. Mm-hmm. It's whatever. And then that way they're able to regurgitate that, you know, vomit that all over the next potential customer who comes in and has got their bag on and you could tell them maybe they're about to study or do something. They're able to give a much better sales pitch because it's specific to their Mm -hmm. passion. And also I think just they can connect with customers on a different level, even if it's not about juices and smoothies, but it's about soccer or it's about reading or it's about yoga or it's whatever. I think having that personal connection and we also just try to, I mean, our employees know our customers and it's fun to see they remember their names they remember their kids names they remember what they do on Saturdays their friends on Instagram it's like you know it's really fun to see that the way they grow the community and the way they just connect with people and I think you know when it's I'm going to send a text from the store phone to this customer because I haven't seen them this week and I'm worried about them. That's the type of relationship we want them to have with the customers. Sure. What do you yeah. guys go ahead? Did you have a part to that? Uh, yeah, just, just big back. I mean, our, our staff is phenomenal and we're, we, we absolutely, um, you can't build a great business with average people. And, sure. and a reason that we've been successful is, there's no doubt because we have phenomenal um, staff working and they, they, like Steffi said, do a great job of being purposeful about connecting with customers. And it's not just because we told tell them to, because you can only tell someone to be to care about something and they'll only do so much, but it's getting the right people who have that potential to go to the next level to like, like you said, text people when they're mm-hmm. like, Hey, Hey, Hey Sue, we're like, haven't seen you this week. Everything. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and 
So that, that, that's, that's huge. That's and it's interesting because in the food and restaurant industry, typically the majority of the workforce is high turnover, lowered pay kind of scenario. These are individuals that are going to, they're, your job as a, as a waitress or working the counter at a smoothie place generally fits into a certain part of someone's life, high school, college, in between jobs. It, it's generally not something you hear of like a long-term career, unless maybe they come in and they work their way up and now they're working with a corporate or they're going to open their own location. And to get that much buy-in from your employees, like, I mean, God, I even, I'll put the spotlight on me. If I took one of my front desk girls and like, if I needed them to go four steps of customer service above what the minute, like what the position pays for folding towels and greeting people and stuff like that, that can sometimes be difficult. How do you guys, what is it in maybe in, how have you filtered to get those kind of people? Or is it something that maybe they don't think of like that when they first come in, but we have a company culture thing that is kind of flipping the switch for them. Well, our, our, our motto that we hire and fire on is, is live well, love others, be excellent. Um, and when we bring people in, we really want to make sure that they're committed, especially to, um, you know, the, the, the love others and to be excellent. Um, and, um, I think that if you train the leaders to ask and to, and not, not to where they're telling people what to do, but they're empowering them to help with being a part of a greater, you know, the, 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 the purpose of us, you know, serving our customers with excellence. And sometimes that means, you know, scrubbing the toilets or sometimes that means, you know, peeling bananas all day. But, um, I think making sure that people feel like they're a part of the, the bigger, um, uh, the bigger goal and the bigger mission of green brothers of, of, of truly impacting lives. I think that the smaller, less sexy tasks become more tolerable because, it's, you know, it's not just like, you know, you're off in the corner by yourself. It's you're part of a team and you're, you're, you're helping out your fellow employee. You're helping out uh, the customer and making sure that they're getting, you know, what they need to where they can feel the best version of themselves. So I love whenever I bring uh, other entrepreneurs and business owners in Charlotte in here, there's a lot of B2B oper- you know, opportunity to piggyback off one another or to collaborate on certain things. And there's certain other businesses that are synergistic to what you're doing. So for example, we had uh, uh, the founder of Summit Seltzer in here. And so now every six weeks we're doing events with them. You know, we might do something with Eight and Sand or something like that. And, and we've just created these cool B2B relationships with other operators and owners that have uh, mutual benefits. Is there any, as you guys were growing the company, were there were there events or other companies that you were able to work with at the time that kind of help get the word out? Because it's the hardest thing, especially in the beginning. You're generally bootstrapping this, you know, kind of scenario, marketing, you know, don't have a crazy marketing budget. Were there any other organizations? Did you do events with Lulu? Like, what, what are the things did you do locally to really get the word out in the beginning? Our, our, our first ever location was a partnership. It was it was partnering up with an existing business called Energy Cafe, and they did the sandwiches, salads, wraps, and we took over their smoothies and then added juices and bowls. But So that was our first, first ever partnership. Sure was our brick and mortar location. Yeah. Um, but we, we do a lot of, um, we have vendor relationships. We, we, we sell our smoothie bags to different cafes and gyms all around, and then they blend our products on site and then are able to sell. So like those kind of partnerships are, are huge for us. And, and it also allows them to offer a kind of next level service to their clientele. Um, and also going orange theory has been huge for us. Yeah. We've gone to a bunch of events with them and sampled out. Yeah, metabolic. Um, we have Lulu. a smoothie with metabolic. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, Brandon, Gaines. yeah. Brandon, those guys are great. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. We've done some stuff with Lulu. We've done, um, a bunch of stuff with like the Pilates studios with, um, the yoga cause Dilworth has a yoga studio right above it, which, um, is now Y2 yoga. So we've been able to do some stuff with them. They just came in. Um, even not just coffee. I mean, the relationship we've had with them has been great um Enderly coffee and coffee yeah hilliard studio method these typically like mean, wholesale like relationships you guys are able to get into or just like um wholesale and both. just like events and not only like events but also just talking to the owners yeah bouncing ideas stuff, off each yeah. other and um i think being an entrepreneur puts you in your own little it can either be very isolating where you're just alone by yourself like in your own thoughts, or it can open up this whole new world of talking to other entrepreneurs who are struggling with the same things, getting feedback, getting help, um, bouncing ideas off of each other. And so we've tried to really, you know, be vulnerable with our struggles and which does not come naturally. No, it definitely did not come naturally for me. And the first probably two to three years of my entrepreneurial journey, I was very like head down. I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do like, I'm going to just figure it out. And it was, it was, I think it was a low self-esteem kind of ego thing. And, you know, like you just think that you're so smart that you can you know, solve yeah. all these problems by yourself. And you just, you know, foolishly. 
Um, and I still have to sometimes get myself out of that. And I've, I've got you know, good people around me that can help remind me like, Hey, just stop being an idiot and like allow other people to help yeah, you. Like me. Yeah. <laughs> she does it with such good love. Um, <clears throat> Is there a um, scarcity mindset in your industry? Like again, we you know, in the fitness industry, you can see it a, a decent amount where one studio doesn't want to get too friendly with another studio. You're going to steal customers the way the secret, the whatever. Do you guys have, it, it, I mean, there's not this obviously as big of a market, but are there other people in your niche? Not, I mean, not smooth specific that you guys have really collaborated not even collaborate but just had like entrepreneurial like therapy conversations like go out and talk shop about this stuff oh yeah yeah, yeah. for sure I mean we've talked to a bunch of other smoothie and juice concepts and Josh and I don't have a mindset of their competition I think honestly the more people are educated about juices and smoothies and the more places that pop up it's a good thing because that means people are focused and they're aware of it and they want to get healthy and so I think it's you know, not looking at people as competitors, but looking at them as, hey, cool, we're kind of in this together. Let's, you know, talk about things that are working, not working. I mean, other food and um, beverage places, even coffee shops or vegan restaurants or juice place. I mean, yeah, we've had a lot of conversations. And I think sometimes it it's not always... There have definitely been times when I don't think people want to open up as much, but when we're vulnerable, then they're like, okay, these people aren't here to steal my secrets. These people actually want to have like a real conversation. And then it's so helpful for both parties because they're like, oh yeah, we're struggling with this too. And you know, maybe we can help you find a solution. It's not rocket science. I mean, what, what we do is, and you know, any business is, you know, success leaves cues, but, um, I think I think that the the saying of a rising tide raises all ships is is very applicable and um, you know we we again I think that when you have a mentality of like you know, of, of giving and and being vulnerable and and being open with kind of where you are and where you aren't then people can identify with that and yeah. um, and 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 also remembering it's not all about you it's not all about you know how you can make meet your goal, how you can meet your goals. It's all about, you can, you know, help other people that might need help and, you know, be the person that you wish you had when you were at the beginning of your stage or beginning of your entrepreneurial journey, I think is really, um, it's just a good reminder to pay it forward and to help out others that might be in need, but also they're much more likely to help you whenever you call up and you're like, Hey, I got a question. hundred percent. hundred percent. I was over at, uh, uh, competitors, uh, Brandon Cullen, uh, over at metabolic, very good friend of mine, helping him set up his podcast. They're about to, to, to drop one. And it's going it, to be mad cool. I it's going to be mad <laughs> cool. It's going to be mad cool. And it's, he's actually, I cannot think of, he's got some crazy cool, like, I think it's like Canadian hockey, you know, term for it kind of scenario. It's super badass. Um, but it's, it's super cool to hear that because especially, um, you don't know what you don't know. But I think as you grow, there can be as you get higher, higher in success, you now start to set the bar. There can be a certain level of ego and confidence that comes with that. And it's like, and there's going to be that next entrepreneur that comes up. I think having that really nice relationship where people are having these conversations and talking about this, it just makes Charlotte a faster growing. Uh, Because I've been in markets where everyone's cutthroat. Everyone has a scarcity mindset. Like there's not enough people to eat. I got to hold my food close to me. Anyone else piss off. Like I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to deal with you. And it, it kind of makes it, cause you said it could be very isolating. Mm-hmm. Well, it's always gonna be isolating if the rest of that entrepreneurial community or any business owner or organizers, it, it's not an open kind of model, you know, to, to jam with people to talk with. Yeah, I there's think so Char- many people in Charlotte. Yes. I mean, it's like, let's get real. I yeah, mean, yeah. If, if, if you're, if you're excellent in what you do, you'll, you'll, you'll find a way to make money. Where do you guys see the next? So I mean, well, let me ask you this first: is uh, is this a finance? Do you have you guys had to go and get outside funding for this? It's all self-funded, bootstrapped yourself. We did everything's been internal, friends yeah, and family. Very cool. Yeah. Now, with that, allows you guys to grow smarter. Other than slow. the PPP. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. PPP. Yeah, yes. Thanks, government. Yes, thank you. Government. <laughs> um, <laughs> where do you guys? What's the growth potential? Like, what's the growth plan now? And you guys have obviously pivoted well. You know, you've got the the bags and doing the wholesale accounts. You're seeing the app stuff go up, which probably, like we talked about earlier, is going to help you kind of maybe change your layout of your future brick and mortar locations. I think of, have you been to Spoons? So Spoons mm-hmm. is, it was a food truck and then they opened mm-hmm. up three brick and mortars all during the pandemic. And you look at their layout, I mean, it might be a thousand square feet. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And you, it, super lean, well operated. I know the owner over there real well. And I just like, that's got to be the future for most things. Cause we all like, like, oh, let's get this nice furniture and someone will sit here one day mm-hmm. with a laptop. Like I even do there. There's times where the entire lounge is a ghost town. I'm like, 
Like, man, oh, I'm really fuck. glad I was super OCD on my on my yeah. seating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really glad we sprung Just for have that a 500 pound limit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What do you guys see as the future of growth for Green Brothers? Do you continue to populate this market and just create your proof of concept here? Or do you go and test other markets with similar setups? Um, we're we're going to stay in Charlotte for now. Um, we'll have another location coming later this year. Um, and so continuing to turn the dial up on our existing locations, um, continuing to make connections with you know vendor relationships and supporting other businesses to you know, be able to offer what we what we offer our locations is, is going to be a big focus. Um, and then, um, and then, uh, next year we're going to look to other, uh, outside of Charlotte opportunities. Awesome. Is it, would that be when you look for the investor maybe play? Um, yeah, that, that would be, that would be the next, the next step, uh, with things going the way that we're going right now, we will, we plan to be able to fund existing or current, the current scheduled growth internally through cash flow. Um, and, and you know some maybe some high uh, credit card limits. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah. Um, but we uh, we are uh, we're we're looking we're exploring other growth opportunities I in think, other cities. And, and I didn't touch on this, but now as you're saying this, it makes me. You guys grab that nectar location. What? That's I don't even know what's. A, I got to imagine. I, I'm just thinking like if I could have found a building set up for a gym already, like that had to be able like oh no this this is amazing. We're gonna save hundreds of thousands of dollars on the build out. Number one, why didn't why did they not work and why will you work? Great question. We, and 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 I've gotten that often. And I and this is actually a great great talking point that I use with our staff and, and remind them on why we <clears throat> how important these little things like you're talking all these little micro. Uh, micro effects of a, of a business. Um, well, first off, they they shut down all or Nectar shut down all their locations except for their Cornelius location. Um, and I think it was it was a it was an absentee ownership. Um, and uh, and it's tough to do a concept like a juice bar where you have to be hyper focused on every detail, um, or have people who are really good and hyper focused on every detail for you when you're not there. Um, and uh, and I think that. COVID was just the sucker punch that, you know, they were, I think, I think things were, were heading in a certain direction and then COVID just the death you know, blow. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we, uh, yeah, we just, it was, it was funny cause we just got done with Foxcroft and that was a total gut. That used to be a pizza hut. And so, um, you know, we spent, you know, we had to totally rip everything out and the, just, I mean, that place was just nasty. What does a build out like that cost? Uh, net of TI, it was, you know, about $300,000 yeah. location, um, about two two eighty, Um, and then come into a South end location where, you know, we're able to get in there for under a hundred. Um, which is and, unhurt, which is insane. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, we were, we were, you know, the, 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 the more connected and the harder you work, the luckier you are. Uh, we just happen to be, we're, we're talking with a landlord, uh, talking with an, uh, a rep, uh, excuse me, a real estate agent. And, um, we were looking at a location and he was like, by the way, he's like, have you all ever heard of this, you know, this place? It just came on the market. And we we're like, wait, what? <laughs> and I mean, it was, we had Quick. to move really yeah. fast, Real but it was just, you know, we just happened to be right place, right time. And, um, in a position where they wanted another juice bar and they have had, they've heard good things about us. And then they, you know, we, we were able to get the deal done pretty quick. Um, but that was, that was a, um, a good opportunity to, swoop in and pay pay much less than we were used to you guys ever thought about creating like what you call like in the fitness industry i'm sure other people do they call it like a leech model like where you create that thing you're like we do this excellence better than the main competitor and we know the main competitor is probably hurting and we try to go and set up shop inside like a kfc will set up a gas a bp will set up stack across from a sunoco kind of scenario have you guys like because there's bigger companies that have some kid had graduated from Brown doing market research as to where to set up the next smoothie bar. That's not something Green Brothers probably has laid out right now with someone doing market analysis all over the place. Have you ever thought about, all right, well, I'd love to grab another Nectar location. Where do they have another one that's going to maybe eat shit soon and we can take over? Like, if you guys consider that kind of what I call like a leech model? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, and, and, and we don't want to, like, our plan isn't to go in and like, you know, shot up, sh- 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 is not to set up shop right next to an existing one, but to be the first in line to say, well, well, well when you're they're ready, out, we're in. When you're ready to tap, yeah. I'm here. Exactly. I'm here, yeah. So that's, and our next location that's coming in later this year is a similar, similar scenario. Similar scenario. Very so, cool. Um, we, we, it's, it's a lot more fun to. When are you um, announcing that one? Um, 
I guess mm. we'll probably do it. A couple more months. Yeah, we we want to be sensitive to all parties involved. Sure, hundred percent. Um, but um, but yeah, we'll stay stay tuned on that one. Yeah, we're excited cool. about it. Um, it'll be it'll be a really good spot, and we're we're excited. It'll be a little bit different location than where we currently are. We'll see it in the agenda soon, or the yeah, or or Axios. 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 <laughs> There's a love hate. It's tough for me to get. That's <laughs> even with the agenda. I love the agenda. I mean, we could all say. The journalism is bleh, whatever. It just is. I want new places to eat, drink, and that kind of yeah. thing. That's the entertainment. When we value. plan our date nights out, I'm like, hmm, just gonna go see, see what new restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like the easy button for. Yeah. Date night. But they own it around here. Like, if mm-hmm. you want to get in front of people, I mean, we had them come by one time. And it was 10k a month with a three month commitment for sponsored whatever. And I was like, holy yeah. shit! Did you do it? No, not a chance. <laughs> Just, I, I was like, not a chance. For te- not, not at the price point for what we did. Like, yeah, I was, mm-hmm. uh, it would have been, I think it would have been difficult. I know, uh, like my buddy on stacks down there, they did one, like they did it, whatever. And, um, I Worth ran it, it by, yeah. Uh, I, I long, I think he only did it for the first three months. I think, I think for certain things, I think for certain industries that works really well, high $200 a month boutique fitness, I think is a tougher one to, to really see the, the traffic come through there of, of a customer that sticks yeah. type scenario. Yeah, but, we, um, whenever I see their, their corporate sponsors, like Bojangles, yeah, Lowe's, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. mm, <laughs> different marketing. Budgets. Yeah. I got to imagine that price is probably higher than it was in 2017 when I, when I got that quote, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing. The power of just that digital media blog outlet mm-hmm. for, for something like mm-hmm. Charlotte. But uh, guys, I really, really appreciate you guys coming on. For anyone listening, um, what it, leave them with something. I know I mean, we didn't talk about the wholesaling stuff a ton, but we do have some other... Who's mainly, who's the best business for that on the wholesaling side for the bags? Is it just a compliment like coffee shops like this? Yeah, coffee front? shops for sure that yeah. are already set up to probably already have the equipment. Yeah, yeah. Well, and just like what you've done here of of you know we, we're going to onboard with another place over in the um, uh, Billingsville area um, in a couple of weeks, but they've they've created a lobby of you know a, a central lobby that they've got office upstairs. Yeah. They've got you know a workout a CrossFit gym and they've yeah. got a you know a massage place. You know they've just kind of these little boutique and um, you know places that want to attract people. And, and again, the smoothie isn't always going to be the dragging, like the key factor they come there for, but it's like, Oh, well I want a coffee. Like, Oh yeah, I'll get a smoothie too. Or people that are hanging out for three or four hours and you, know, you can only have coffee for so long until you need, yeah. you need some protein or yep. some carbohydrates. And, um, but yeah, c- coffee shops, gyms that want to offer that, uh, that next level of service to their customers are really good. People Very cool. Very cool. And what it, what's that? What's the handle? Where can people find? We'll tag it up in the show notes. But what do you? What's your handle? Um. So Instagram is at Green Brothers Juice, and our website is www.greenbrothersjuice.com. Um. And then Facebook, just search Green Brothers Juice. Are the other brothers still involved in the business, or they're doing the more family based thing? Um. Their 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 primary business is hundred percent. You know their own yep. thing, but um, but they're still you know board of directors, you know uh, taste testers, uh, <laughs> menu development, yeah, yeah, you know critical feedback. Um, <laughs> but you know, and Jacob is Jacob, my brother who lives in Charlotte, has been uh, instrumental in and in helping identify locations, and he's he's, and he's he loves the yeah the, the build outs, the interior design. Um, and, uh, and, and just identifying, you know, next areas. So he's, he's very in, in tune with that. My other brother was my primary financial partner in the business. Um, but he lives in, in, um, in, in Puerto Austin, Rico. Texas and Puerto yeah. Rico. <laughs> very cool. Awesome guys. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really do appreciate it. Thanks so much. For yeah. Having thank us. you. Absolutely.